Please stand for the reading of today's scripture. Today's scripture comes from Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him. Since Jesus was coming that way, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Thank you, Grace, for uh, sharing that reading for us today. Uh, well, are you all enjoying the fall season so far, huh? I saw some of you wearing jackets and sweaters this morning, and uh, so it's sweater weather, right? <laughs> hey, do you know why it's called fall? I looked it up. And the term came into use in the English language in the 1300s. And it refers to the falling of the leaves. And spring refers to the spring of the leaf, as in the budding. Isn't that neat? So there's your trivia for today. You're welcome. <laughs> Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for fall, for the harvest, for crisp mornings, for changing colors. Thank you for this beautiful world in which you have placed us. You have told us to take care of it, and we confess we haven't always been doing a good job of that. So, Lord, give us wisdom so we can take better care of this glorious creation of yours and all its inhabitants. Lord, today, by the presence and power of your Holy Spirit, open your word to us. Heal us, Lord, because we are broken. Open our hearts to your grace. Transform our lives according to your will here on earth as it is in heaven. Savior Jesus, we love you and we pray in your mighty name. Amen. <clears throat> Comedian Jerry Seinfeld talks about spending time with his kids. Uh, as a dad, he doesn't buy into just having quality time with his daughter and two sons. He says, these guys that talk about quality time, I always find that a little sad when they say, we have quality time. He says, I don't want to have quality time. I want the garbage time. That's what I like. You just see them in their, in their room reading a comic book, and, and you get to watch that for a minute, or having a bowl of Cheerios at 11 o'clock at night when they're not even supposed to be up. 
the garbage. That's what I love. Maybe what he's talking about is margin. And that's our series this fall. Margin means having extra time. Margin time may not seem essential at first, but it is just what we need. And from what I've heard, this whole idea of margin uh, we've been going through these last few weeks has really been uh, messing with you in a good way, and I love hearing that. Today we're talking about restoring time margin, and for some of you, this may be the most important Sunday in the series. The most common excuse for not getting something done is what? Ran out of time. Didn't have enough time. Time got away from me. Well, time is easy to run out of. Those those 24 hours in a day are pretty well set, aren't they? Not a lot of flexibility there. Earth likes to spin at about 1,000 miles an hour, and it's not slowing down. It's a good thing we've got gravity. We'd be flying off into outer space, right? Time is our most precious commodity. It's the most valuable thing you can give someone. Of course, where you invest your money is important, but where you invest your time, that's a way bigger deal. I'd like to invite up now uh, Jeff and Jen Sparek. You want to come on up here for me? Uh, I've been talking to Jeff since Wednesday about this. I talked to him at the Bellevue Berry Farm. And then I said, well, Jen could join you. And, and then I found out she's coming, too, to talk a little bit about time margin. But so a lot of you know Jeff and Jen, and you want to introduce yourself. Just kind of tell us a little bit about who you are. So I'm Jen Sparak, and a um, little bit about me. I work at Nebraska Medicine. I run their psychiatric emergency services there, oh. um, which has been open for just a little over a year. Um, and we've been coming to this church for quite a while. I think our youngest was two when we started attending Love and Learn. Um, and she's... Now a junior in college. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> some of you probably remember Simone and Jasmine running around here um, and have served in a variety of different ways here um, throughout the years. So. I'm Jeff Sparrock. Um, I work for the VA hospital in the call center. Um, this is my church. I love this church. Um, We've had my daughters just love this place as well. And um, what more can I say? I just love this church. There you uh, go. Thank you. Um, you know, I'm curious too, Jeff, you talked to me on Wednesday about uh, reading the book. You finished the book on margin. And um, from that and from this series, what's, what have been an, what's been insight that's come to you? Well, the conversation Steve and I had was... Um, the book means a lot to me because I procrastinate a lot. And now today's topic is talking about time. And so you got to put in perspective uh, the time. Um, there's a lot of things I could get done because I don't have that margin. And I have to put in the focus, um, rearrange my time, the hours of the day to get things so I can have a margin, whether it be to relax, get things done, garbage time. Um, so that's a big thing for me is to uh, come back and look at the hours of the day, look at the things that are important to me to do that day. But procrastination gets in the way, and everybody procrastinates. They put it on the back burner and say, oh, I'll do it some other time. But for me, 
I think um, I missed out a lot because I don't have a margin. Yeah. So I have to put in perspective that I have to get a margin, and that's going to be my job to find that margin. So procrastination was squeezing out your margin. Yeah, I mean, procrastination, everybody falls into this abyss that uh, you're going to do it later. Yeah. I'm going to do it the next day. I'm going to put it off. And then you find yourself, again, in that abyss where you have to catch up. And I'm tired of catching up. I have to have that margin where I can enjoy, you know, my family life, my life. What's, what's one thing you like to procrastinate on, Jeff? I, well, there's several things. Maybe we should ask Jen what, yeah, what maybe you like have, to procrastinate on. Huh? I, I don't, I don't <laughs> keep to the do list that she gives me. So um, I think maybe she can do it too. But anyway. Right. What, what about you, Jen? What insight has come to you? Well, I think... Um, the two things that so far kind of in the series, and to me they're sort of intertwined, are the emotional mm. piece and the time piece because uh -huh. um, it's very easy for me to fill my time margin, and what happens is that encroaches sort of on my emotional margin then. Right. And, um, you know, I've had this last year has been such an interesting year because with the pandemic, there was some automatic margin put in there for me right. um, because of having to be at home more. And I kind of understood then... I kind of like this. Mm -hmm. And so as things have been getting more open um, and work has just been all consuming and before I had a, a margin that was imposed by having kids that needed me and needed yeah. time and I had to leave and now I don't have that as much. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of been this um, battle internally for just because I can work more doesn't mean I should work more or I need to because it ends up um, impacting my emotional margin where I just am just exhausted and you know some of yeah. those other things that you were talking about like and even the physical piece of, of losing sleep and things like that so mm -hmm. um, what are some what are some time stealers that you all either one of you deal with I think probably for me is spending too much time on certain things like mm -hmm. even in the work element I think one of the things that I noticed when I, you know, had to be leaving at a certain time is I was more disciplined throughout the day and I was okay with good enough. So I didn't reread that email three times before I sent it. Um, I was just like, fine, off, and it went. And now I find myself probably, um, in a way, being more leisurely, but um, it isn't necessarily a good thing. So okay. just kind of keeping some of those habits of being a little bit quicker with things and um, yeah. then I'll get done quicker. And not pouring over them yes. over and yes, over. exactly. Right. Yeah. Right. What about and you, for me, it's like I try to start projects and I don't complete them. And then I go back and so not completing the task or the job, it, it takes away time for yeah. me to go back and start over again because it's right. always in my mind. Um, there's a lot of projects I want to do mentally, and that's stressful. So if I don't complete it, then I have to go back and start over again because yeah. that's the process. And, and, Jen, you were talking about the emotional impact of lack of time margin. Um, how else does that affect you? Jeff, what about you? What does that affect you when you sort of lose all your time margin? Well, then... Um, I kind of feel guilty. I don't beat myself up at all, but it's mm -hmm. just that I, I don't have a good master plan for time. And that's okay. what I have to install into my everyday. 
emotionally it, it bothers me, uh, but I don't. Again, I don't let it beat me up. I just have to f have a master plan. So my my ideal plan in the real world is like to get up. So I'm writing things down more now. Okay. And since I've got involved with the book, and so as I accomplish this, it's even on my watch, and I scratch it off. Yeah. On a daily basis, I scratch it off because okay. I got it done. And this way, it, it allows me. It's okay. I got that done. I got that done. I got that done. Um, like for example, um, at work, um, I put off doing a CEU. So when I logged in, because I put it off, I couldn't get on the computer. It says, see the administrator. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I work from home. So I had to go in. See the administrator, he says, hey man, you've been getting this flash on your thing for about a month now. Why didn't you do it? Because I just procrastinated. It's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's a tedious job. I didn't right. want to do it. I just put it off. And so, and that put me behind. And it, so it cost you more in the end, then, yeah, doesn't it? Yeah, it cost me yeah. more in the end. So. Right. Well, thank you both for sharing. I really appreciate it. All right. Thank you, Jeff and Jan. Uh, today I'd like to offer you another definition of margin. This one specifically as it relates to time. Margin is having time for what I don't plan. What do you think of that? Margin is having time for what I don't plan. Sometimes we think we're not supposed to have any margin, right? We're not making good use of our time if we have margin. We, we think it's normal to rush from one deadline to the next and race from one activity to the next. When we lose our margin, where do a lot of us put the blame first? Probably our jobs. So we have to ask ourselves if we are working too much. I find it interesting that in terms of average hours worked per year, the U.S. is somewhere in the middle. Uh, people in poorer countries generally work a lot more hours. I mean, and that's just to survive. In nations like Germany and some of the Scandinavian nations, people work fewer hours than we do. Here's a question for you. Is the average full-time employee in the United States working more hours now or a couple generations ago? The answer is that the average full-time employee a couple of generations ago worked a few more hours than today. Over the last 50 years, the, the average number of hours worked per year for a full-time employee has gone down 7.5%. And if you go back to the mid-1800s during the Industrial Revolution, workers put in way more hours, 10 to 12 hours a week, six days a week. And like Bob Cratchit, you might only get one holiday a year. But that's not the whole story. Let's say a couple generations ago, Mr. and Mrs. Tupper were in their 30s. Mr. Tupper worked 45 hours a week. Mrs. Tupper did not work outside the home. Today, the Tupper's grandson and his wife are in their 30s. Both of them work outside the home. So between them, they work 80 hours a week outside the home. And all the household things still have to get done. So from 45 hours to 80 hours as a couple is a big jump. Here's another factor. 
because of email and, and text messaging and being glued to our phones, we're more likely to be available to our jobs 24-7. That didn't used to happen. So our availability has gone way up, and that also affects our margin. Uh, today, in the last couple Sundays, we've been looking at uh, margin in the life of Jesus. And our approach has been, rather than to just keying in on the big stories, we're looking for clues within those big stories as to how Jesus lived. Luke 19, Grace read for us, with Jesus passing through the city of Jericho on his way to Jerusalem, crowds are following. People are coming from all over town to get a glimpse of the teacher healer. And, I mean, it probably looks like a parade going down Main Street. And one guy who lived in Jericho was a chief tax collector named Zacchaeus. Everybody loved to hate Zacchaeus. Why? Well, he made all his money working for the enemy, cheating his own people. But Zacchaeus, he's as curious as anybody about Jesus. He wanted to see this famous person who's passing through town. The only problem is he couldn't see over the crowd. But being a resourceful individual, Zacchaeus ran ahead and climbed up a tree with low branches and shinnied his way up. He only had to get a few feet higher, right? And the verse I want to focus on today is verse 5. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up. I could just see him chuckling. (laughs) And said to him, Zacchaeus, come down. Uh, uh, Come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Now, Jesus could have said, hey, Zach, good to see you. I'd like to stop and chat, but, you know, I've got reservations at an Airbnb in Bethany just outside of Jerusalem, and I need to get there before it's dark. But that isn't what he said. Jesus had time. He had margin. Making it to Bethany on schedule wasn't important. He said, Zach, I'd love to spend the rest of the day with you at your house. And I thought, hmm, would I have said that? Or would I have said, sorry, but got to go. Don't have time. But Jesus, you see, he didn't schedule his life to the max. He kept some margin. Uh, Read the four biographies about Jesus in the Bible. What do you find? Jesus getting interrupted all the time. Somebody wants to be healed. Somebody asks them a question. Somebody wants to hear him teach. Somebody wants to argue with him. Most of his ministry was not done by goal-setting and strategic planning. It was done by interruption. And, And it was okay. He didn't treat people as nuisances. He saw them and their needs as essential. Chapter 6 of of, uh, medical doctor Richard Swenson's book, he says this, and to me this, this quote is worth the price of the book right here. I always look for that, a quote that is worth the book. Margin is not a spiritual necessity, but availability is. And that's the heart of today's message. Shall we say it together? Margin is not a spiritual necessity, but availability is. I always like to say that the world's most daring prayer is just three words. Lord, I'm available. 
Whatever you want me to do, whatever you want me to say, wherever you want me to go, Lord, I'm available. It's the daring prayer of a disciple. And you can't have availability without some margin. You can't be available if your schedule is just, you know, packed to the gills. A few years ago during vacation Bible school, I chatted with a mom uh, who was waiting to pick up her kids and uh, she was sitting out in the foyer at a tall bistro table with her laptop out. And, and, and I asked her what she did. She said she was uh, doing her grocery shopping online. And on the way home, she planned to stop at the store and pick it up. What a marv- marvelous thing, a margin-saving idea. I've never done it, but maybe a lot of you have. When I first came to Faith Westwood, we had committees that met 12 months a year. Church council, finance, staff, parish, relations committee, trustees. Now they only meet six to eight times a year. And only if we have an agenda, we're uh, worthy of having a meeting. We've, We've gotten away from having a meeting for the meeting's sake. And I think that protects our margin. And that makes us more available for other things that the Lord might have for us. I'm so thankful for you. Some of you, I look out and you do, you're in children's ministry. And maybe right after this uh, worship is done, the next period, you're going to be going and helping with kids' ministry upstairs. Uh, Or maybe on Wednesday nights, you're here. You make yourself available. And you can only do that if you have some margin to work with. And you're giving away some of that precious margin for something you believe in. I want to say thank you. One of the ways we lose our time margin is from being indecisive. Uh, When I was a pastor fresh out of seminary, a wise, more experienced pastor I knew would often, I would go into his office, he would have papers, stacks of papers piled up on his desk. And, you know, what was it? Well, mail that he wasn't sure what to do with and meeting minutes that hadn't been filed and notes that he thought he might want to look at again later. He told me his strategy. He said, what I do is I just let it stack up until it's all so old and outdated that it doesn't matter anymore, then I throw it all away. (laughs) Sometimes you'll find a pile of papers on my desk and each item represents my lack of decisiveness, something I didn't want to deal with at the moment. What will I do with this piece of mail? Where will I put these notes? Now, that's not a big deal because I've got plenty of room on my desk, right? It's a lot worse when it happens with our calendars. When we're indecisive about what is essential, our schedules get stacked up and backed up And that's how we lose margin. And being decisive means having the clarity and the readiness to say no to good things. We will not have time margin unless we are ready to say no to some good things. My first year at Faith Westwood, somebody uh, suggested Uh, I start an early morning breakfast group for men. He said the previous pastor did that, and he really liked it. 
Now, there was a time when I probably would have just said, okay, I guess that's what I got to do, and said yes, without really thinking. But this time I didn't. I had clarity. I was ready. I said, well, you know, I, I give my workday mornings and afternoons and a lot of evenings to the church. I give up much of my weekend time too. And I find that though I need those early morning times for exercise and prayer and starting the day with my wife, I said no to a good thing. Protecting the margin that I have. And that margin protects my emotional margin and helps prevent me from burning out. And, you know, I, I've seen it happen to other pastors. I, I've been close to, my, to it myself a couple of times. And, and if I burn out, then I'm not going to be available to anybody. As I said last week, one thing you can do always is trade one margin for another. There are ways to do that. My, my first couple of years at Faith Westwood, I was dealing with the challenge sometimes um, of getting my lawn mowed. And, and what happens is I, I, I usually mow on Mondays. And that's my day off. But if it rained that day, and I went through a period where it was raining on Mondays, was getting hit with rain. And, and then, uh, you know, then it would put off till Saturday because if I had a lot of evening things going on that week. And then by then it was just, I mean, you almost had to mow it twice just to get it done. So I hired somebody to mow my lawn. I'm still a little embarrassed about it. People think, well, this guy doesn't even mow his own lawn. I mean, how lazy can you be? But I traded some of my financial margin for some time margin. It also benefited my physical margin because not mowing has helped my allergies. My ENT doc said it was the best decision I ever made, at least according from his point of view, you know. You know me. I, I, I always like to find a way to bring up talking about being a blessed friend, right? I mean, I am determined. We're gonna, this is going to be a part of our Faith Westwood culture, right? Uh, bless is the way that God works within our friendships with people who don't share our faith. Well, how do we do that? Let's say the five blessed practices together on the screen. Begin with prayer, listen with care, eat together, serve in love, share your story. By the way, next Sunday from noon until 1 o'clock, we'll have a blessed lunch to encourage us being a blessed friend. So we have half-hour lunch, half-hour little gathering, encouragement and support, and, and it's, it's free, and you are invited. Just show up, okay? I think we're having pizza, salad, breadsticks, something like that. Anyway, uh, one friend, I remember I, ha I had, um, you know, I was trying to think about being a blessed friend, and I, I have to have some margin. I can't be a blessed friend unless I have enough margin to be available. Um, I remember back a, a friend that, of mine um, who's not a Jesus follower at the time, and he and I would get together uh, about once a month for an hour or two at a coffee shop, and we talked about all kinds of things. I mean, he and I both have a lot of interests, and it was just great conversation. Being a blessed friend only happens when you 
have margin for people. You've got to be available to them. Some of you have no problem with time margin. Maybe it's the the phase of your life right now. And others of you are at a stage of life where margin is just really tough to be able to find. I want to end the message by giving you time to ponder um, one of the following questions. You pick which one you want. Here they are. What would be the benefits of underscheduling my week? Underscheduling. Have you ever heard of that? What would happen if our family calendar had more open spaces where we were all at home? What if I eliminated hurry from my life? So, hopefully when you walked in this morning, someone handed you an index card. Uh, if, you're not, if not, then you can just write on something else uh, if you want. But I would encourage you, we're going to take a minute, David's going to play for us uh, for a full minute, and uh, I would encourage you just to pick one of those questions and begin to just think. Just let let your mind go, meditate on it, just write down whatever comes to you, okay? David? Gracious God, help me envision a life where rush doesn't rule me, a life where I'm not harassed by hurry. Give me generous moments of margin. Lord, also give me wisdom to know what good things I can say no to. Jesus, I fix my eyes on you and on your way of life. Show me how to have enough margin to be a blessed friend, enough margin for unhurried prayer, enough margin to enjoy your creation. God's people said,